want to make mention of. I, I'm pretty sure, Brother Felton, tomorrow you're having procedure done tomorrow. All right. And so we need to be uh, praying about that. And, of course, this is something he has to regularly do because of uh, some potential cancer uh, that he has to deal with. And so uh, he's going to have a procedure, procedure tomorrow, but be praying about that. Uh, what time would that be, Brother Felton? 5 a.m. Well, we won't be praying for you then. No. Uh, you know, we'll just we'll be praying for you in the morning as we're getting ready to leave to, to go out of town, but we'll be praying that God uh, works there. And then I uh, just want to say thank you, and I'm thrilled that Brother Freddy Ruiz, uh, is Ruiz or Ruiz? How do I say it? Ruiz uh, is here, and uh, I'm sure glad he's here. He's he uh, did me a, a great kindness. I called him one day and I said, uh, I got these two trees on either corner of my house and I'm climbing up on the house and I'm leaning out here trying to trim them and I'm trying to do everything. And, uh, and I thought I was doing a good job. And he came over and oh, after I got through, I looked at him and I thought, wow, that's what they're supposed to look like. <laughs> and uh, man, they were, they're just, they were just beautiful. And so uh, uh, he was a big help to me there. Well, I'm, th I'm th thrilled this morning. Uh, I'm hoping I can make this uh, come across properly. Uh, I really don't know uh, this morning. I'm not, I'm not sure I'm going to conclude a message. I, I'm asking the Lord just to show me where to stop in the message. But in God's work, there is a place for everyone to be used. Everybody in this room, you know, some messages are, you know, kind of for certain certain ones of us, you know, more so than others. But this one is, it's for everybody in this room. There's a place for everybody to be used for good and for God. In God's work, there are many opportunities uh, in this church, you know, teachers and, and preachers and deacons and musicians and administrators and maintenance and construction and youth leaders and bus captains and bus workers and just on and on. And, and we, you know, we have, uh, I was just looking out there and thinking of uh, Brother Phipps and, and uh, Brother Felton with the, we have a, a nursing home ministry and just, we have all kinds of opportunities. And, but really... The work of God, what I'm going to talk about today, comes down to two real major categories. And the truth is, everybody in this room should be a part of at least one. Now, not everyone teaches, not everyone preaches, not everyone holds the office of a deacon, not everyone plays an instrument, but everyone is supposed to be an active part of at least one of these two divisions in the church. I want you to go to John chapter 4. John chapter 4, we're going to begin in verse 5. Now, the truth is we're going to use quite a bit of Scripture this morning, but uh, that might be a good thing. Amen? Uh, it, you know, if we don't, if we don't ha have the Bible to preach, we got nothing to preach. And so, uh, uh, you know, and, and, and the, without the Bible, everything just becomes uh, our opinion. And, and uh, we're going to base this on the Bible. And so John chapter 4, <clears throat> I want you to look at verse 5. John chapter 4, verse 5, and we're going to read a lot of, a lot of verses here, but I'll go through it pretty quickly. In John chapter 4, verse 5, it says, Then cometh he to a city of Samaria, which is called Sychar, near to the parcel of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Now Jacob's well was there. 
Jesus, therefore, being wearied with his journey, sat thus on the well, and it was about the sixth hour. There cometh a woman of Samaria to draw water. Jesus saith unto her, Give me to drink. For his disciples were gone away unto the city to buy meat. Then saith the woman of Samaria unto him, How is it that thou, being a Jew, askest drink of me, which am a woman of Samaria? For the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. Jesus answered and said unto her, If thou knewest the gift of God, and who it is that saith to thee, Give me to drink, thou wouldest have asked of him, and he would have given thee living water. The woman saith unto him, Sir, thou hast nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. From whence then hast thou that living water? Art thou greater than our father Jacob, which gave us the well, and drank thereof himself and his children and his cattle? Jesus answered and said unto her, Whosoever drinketh of this water shall thirst again. But whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. But the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up <clears throat> into everlasting life. The woman saith unto him, Sir, give me this water that I thirst not, neither come hither to draw. Jesus saith unto her, Go, call thy husband, and come hither. The woman answered and said, I have no husband. Jesus said unto her, Thou hast well said, I have no husband, for thou hast had five husbands. And he whom thou now hast is not thy husband. In that saidst thou truly. The woman said unto him, Sir, I perceive that thou art a prophet. She's pretty perceptive. Our fathers worshipped in this mountain, and you say that in Jerusalem is the place where men ought to worship. Jesus saith unto him, Woman, believe me, the hour cometh when ye shall neither in this mountain nor yet at Jerusalem worship the Father. You worship, you know not what. We know what we worship for salvation is of the Jews, but the hour cometh and now is when the true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father seeketh such to worship him, and he still seeks such to worship him. God is spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. The woman said, saith unto him, I know that Messiah cometh, which is called Christ. When he is come, he will tell us all things. Jesus said unto her, I that speak unto thee am he. And upon this came his disciples and marveled that he talked with the woman, yet no man said, What seeketh thou, or why talkest thou with her? The woman then left her water pot and went her way into the city and saith to the men, Come see a man which told me all things that ever I did. Is not this the Christ? You know, it's, it, it, all she needed was, uh, was Facebook then. And she could have got this thing done. Verse 30 says, Then went out, uh, they went out of the city and came unto him. In the meanwhile, his disciples prayed him, saying, Master, eat. But he said unto them, I have meat to eat that you know not of. Therefore said the disciples one to another, Hath any man brought him out to eat? Jesus unto, saith unto, unto them, My meat is to do the will of him that sent me and to finish his work. Say not ye. There are yet four months, and then cometh the harvest. The, uh, cometh harvest. 
Behold, I say unto you, lift up your eyes and look on the fields, for they are white already to harvest. And he that reapeth receiveth wages and gathereth fruit unto eternal life, that both he that soweth and he that reapeth may rejoice together. Let's pray. Father, I pray that you bless this morning. Holy Spirit of God, I know it's a lot of scripture. And, and Lord, I, and sadly, I know that I may have lost someone's attention just in the reading. But Father, I pray that you, you Holy Spirit of God, that you would prick our hearts and that you would uh, uh, touch our ears. And, and Lord, open our minds that we would hear the truth. And Lord, that, that I would be able through your spirit, through your direction to deliver the truth. And, Lord, I pray, please, that you would be with us this morning. Spirit of God, guide us and help us that we would learn and grow, that we would accomplish in this life what you would have us to accomplish, that we would do what you would have us to do. Father, I ask you, please, in the name of Jesus, that you would wrap your arms around us and be a mighty hedge of protection to us and you would keep us under your wings this morning and that you would turn back every evil that would try to snatch away truth and try to attack and try to, to confuse the mind. Please, we yield to thee and ask all things in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, it's a long passage of Scripture, of course, but... In this passage, we see, uh, and we're just going to hit it kind of directly, but we see some sow and some reap. And of course, as, we, as you go through Scripture in the, in the, and you study the Bible and you go through it, you'll find that some do both. But here's the, the issue. Clearly, there is no one who should do neither. And this is really where the, the, the heart of the matter is with Christianity today. The truth is, and, and I've, I've heard it said in, in services like this, but, but in a service like this with this group of people right here, we could change Memphis, Tennessee if, if everybody in here understood and accepted this truth. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 6 through 9, Paul said, I have planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. So then neither is he that planteth anything, neither he that watereth, but God that giveth the increase. Now he that planteth and he that watereth, listen to this, are one. And every man shall receive his own reward according to his own labor. For we are laborers together with God. Ye are God's husbandry, ye are God's, ye are God's building. Some sow the seed of the gospel, or as we just read in this little passage, planted. You know, to plant and to sow is effectively the same thing. It's just different forms of the same act. Planting, you know, I envision growing up in on a farm, and I envision you know the, the we had a large garden and the different things that we did. You know, it was planting is kind of mound by mound, or hole by hole, or spot by spot, or trench by trench. But sowing is casting the seed upon the ground, and and it almost seems in a random way, but it's not. 
Mark chapter 4, and again, I said a lot of scripture this morning. Mark chapter 4, verse 2 says this. He says, And he taught them many things by parables and said unto them in his doctrine, Hearken, behold, there went out a sower to sow, and it came to pass as he sowed, some fell by the wayside, and the fowls of the air came and devoured it up. And if you've ever been in a field, and maybe I don't know if anybody else has ever done this, but anybody ever been in a field where back at the time where you poured all that seed and a little, uh, you had a strap and a little container in front of you, you poured that seed in there and then you walked down that field just cranking that and it spun and just threw the seed out. Anybody else out there understand what I'm talking about? Okay. Now, that's as soon as I read this, that's what I envision. And the truth is, especially as kids, you know, you're going to be more apt to get too close to something or get too close to the trees or the weeds and you're going to throw some of the seed into the wayside. What's going to happen to it? It's just going to be devoured. It's going to be eaten up. Now, this could be compared to us placing tracks or door hangers on hundreds of doors. Some of them get blown away. Some get left on the doors where no one lives. Some get taken by the next group that comes by. Jesus said it this way, Matthew chapter 13, verse 19. He said, when anyone heareth the word of the kingdom and understandeth not, standeth it not, then cometh the wicked one and catcheth away that which was sown in his heart. This is which... This is he which receiveth seed by the wayside. That's why I pray every morning, God, don't let any, you know, Father, in the name of Jesus, don't let any satanic force come in here and snatch away the truth that's coming in. Because that's what he does. And when our minds are kind of blasé and when we're kind of out of focus, it's so easy for the truth to just kind of be like a seed that sort of hit, but no sooner than it hit, it gets snatched away. Verse 5 says, And some fell on stony ground where it had not much earth, and immediately it sprang up because it had no depth of earth. And when the sun was up, it was scorched, and because it had no root, it withered away. Uh, that's kind of those that listen, maybe receive the gospel. But they, uh, but probably by the description of Jesus gives, more likely not. Uh, they just heard it. It kind of came into their mind. And, and I say receive in the sense of not accepted it, but re- let, they, they, they heard it come in, but they immediately walk right back into their lives, seemingly forgetting that someone ever talked to them. They, they, they think they now, uh, that now they, that they are in church, all is going to go good. And when it doesn't, then what is good, uh, you know, what is good about going to church? He, he, it's when they, they, we hear this, we, we hear it's like, man, I, I, need to, I need to serve God, or I need to get right with God, or I, man, my, my life's a mess, so I need to get in church. And then they get in church and they go, okay, everything's supposed to go good now. God's going to bless everything I do. God's going to be okay with everything. And all of a sudden, something bad happens again. And what happens here, this group is just like, this is stony ground. It's like, well, what's the need of going to church? What's the need of serving God? What's the need of even getting saved? It's supposed to all go good, and it didn't. And then you have, in verse 7, it says, And some fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no fruit. They heard, they received. They may have even come to church, but they never grew from there for the call of the world, the flesh, money, career, amusement conquered their hearts. You know, we, we see it all the time. 
somebody, maybe we're out witnesses, somebody maybe comes to church, make a profession of salvation, and so excited, so excited. Man, this is what they've been looking for. This is what they've been needing. This is what they've been wanting in just a matter of days, weeks. They're gone. What happened? The cares of the world. The cares of the world. Jesus said, said it this way, He also that received seed among the thorns is he that heareth the word, and the care of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and he becometh unfruitful. It's almost an implication that maybe he started to do something. And that he, I saw him by the droves come to Bible college that way. Boy, they'd come in so on fire, and you know, before a semester or a year was over, they would just vanish. They lost all that zeal. But verse 8 says, And other fell on good ground and did yield fruit that sprang up and increased. And brought forth some thirty, and some sixty, and some an hundred. And he said unto them, He that hath ears to hear, let him hear. You know, thank God there are those that receive Christ's gospel seed. They spring forth in life. They understand what truly has happened in their life. They want others to know and to know what God has done and to know what God can do for them. Jesus said, but he that received the seed unto good ground is he that heareth the word and understandeth it, which also beareth fruit and bringeth forth some an hundredfold and some sixty and some thirty. Now, there's, you know, there's a debate on, on, on you know, who in this, the, these four really uh, maybe are saved and then you know, were fruitful and then not. Uh, ultimately, I think... Truthfully, uh, you know, the, the real issue is, is that are you, okay, number one, did you receive the seed? Are you saved? Do you, do you know that you're going to heaven? Did you receive, were you good ground? Were you really good ground? Now, Truthfully, by, by the illustration, we kind of should hope that the third category at least was saved and became some fruitful and then fell away because if not, we're, we're in a little bit of a bind here. I want to, want to show you this. If you're good ground, God says good ground produces. He that received seed into the good ground is he that heareth the word and understandeth it, which also beareth fruit and bringeth forth some an hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. The question, and, and we're just a, a, a really in the first part of the first part, but what kind of ground am I? What kind of ground are you? It is so important for us to see that the good ground not only receives the seed, but becomes a laborer in the harvest. And folks, uh, boy, you know, I, I almost said this is, this is one I'd, I'd like to save to Sunday night. 
you know, because we, we have people that are newer to our service on Sunday morning. But the truth is, if you have, according to God's parable and what Jesus is teaching here, if we are good ground, if we are receiving that seed, God says something ought to be happening. There ought to be something going on to, with the process of harvesting. Now, the, this group that we're talking about right now sows the seed, plants the seed diligently. They understand the seed must be sown to everyone, everywhere. The size of the house doesn't matter, the, whether it's an apartment or whether uh, it's a tent. It don't matter. The income does not matter. The neighborhood does not matter. The location does not matter. The probability that they will be receptive does not matter. They are, we are simply to sow the seed. Yes, some tracks will end up in the garbage. Some will be destroyed. A small percentage will be read. Even smaller will be considered and probably even smaller will be accepted. But the good ground understands that they are the work, the work of sowing the seed and leave the increase in God's hands. Everyone is valuable to God's work. Everyone can do something. Some will physically sow. Some will prayerfully sow because they're incapable of, capable of sowing physically. You know, one of the great things that I thoroughly love, look, if you can't, if you can't walk out that door, if you can't go to somebody else, uh, go door to door like we do on Saturday and the kids on Wednesday, uh, if you can't do that, uh, listen, you can. Anybody in this room, you can pray for us. You know, I'll give you this the illustration because it was so much in my mind. But, you know, we, we didn't have a big farm, but, uh, but Dad always had 40, 50 head of cattle and maybe a little bit more times. And then, uh, you know, always somewhere, you know, 40, 50 acres that would be growing something. And, and uh, I'm not sure it was for any other purpose than keep four boys busy and out of trouble. He had us one time put a fence up, and it was all all the way. I, I mean, it was several hundred yards long, just a straight field. And we put this fence up, and and I dug every post hole. And and John and and Alex, you know, they were stretching the the bob wire, you know, with their four strand wire, put it up. And Dad came out, and he looked, and he said, "Good job, son. That's a good job. I'm glad you got that done." He said, "But I decided it needs to be over about 75 feet." So we had to pull it all out of the ground and move it over. Every one of us knew exactly what he was doing. <laughs> but you know, I'd go out, I, as a kid, I can remember going out there and my dad would, uh, my oldest brother, you know, John, he, he'd be dumping that seed, in that, that old container, and dad had those straps on and he had that thing on him. And he would send us boys, out at, you boys come here and help me. He'd send us boys, Roy Jr., go all the way over there, over there, and, and you go over there, Brett. Okay, about right there, about right there. And a little bit further, Brett. And he get, and you know what they're doing? I'm going to crank, and they're going to let me know if the seed's reaching them. But before we could ever do this, the field had to be plowed. Dad would plow the field. Maybe John would disc the field and and, and get the field uh, ready, and, and, and maybe Alex would come back with a hair and, and, and kind of smooth it all out. And, and, but, you know, my job, being intelligent the way I was, they wouldn't let me drive nothing. 
my job was to carry heavy sacks and do things like this. And that's, you boys are going to walk with me, and you walk with me. And as I churn this thing, they let me know, is it still getting out there to me? You know what, that, that helps me. Now, you say, what's important to this? You know, everybody's valuable. Not everybody's doing this. But that's valuable out there. My dad had to know where he was going to go and how far over he had to go to start. And if, if, he, if we're going that way, then he knew that seed was making it to there. He knew how far he had to go to, to space it out so that you didn't overseed and so you didn't waste seed. And so uh, th- what we were doing was, was valuable. Everything, that the one that plowed was valuable. The one that, that disc up the ground was valuable. The ones that walked along, they were all valuable. And what God's saying is, is that everybody has something you can do. You can sit down, boys. Recently, many were working here at the church, and Miss Joe Rapay and, and uh, pray for her. She came in here the other day, uh, yesterday, I think it was, and she didn't sound real good. And, uh, and, but, you know, she just had knee surgery and, and can't, it really shouldn't even be up and around as much as she is and coming to a walker. But people were working here, so you know what she did? She went and got a bunch of donuts and snacks and things, and she brought them over here to Do you understand that's valuable? Everyone can sow in some way help the field to be sown. Some sow financially, that others may sow the seed of the gospel through tracks, through buses, through Sunday school, through special days. Now, I'm going to just tell you, I I don't think that that's all that any of us should do, but I think this is a big part of it. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6 says, But this I say, he which soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly, and he that soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully. You say, what is he talking about? Talking about the gospel? Listen, read on every man according as he purposes in his heart so let him give not grudgingly or of a necessity for God loveth the cheerful giver and God is able to make all grace abound toward you that ye always having all sufficiency in all things may abound to every good work as is written he hath dispersed abroad he hath given to the poor his righteousness remaineth forever now he that ministereth seed to the sower both minister bread for your food and multiply your seed sown and increase the fruits of your righteousness being enriched in every Thing to all bountifulness, which called us through us thanksgiving to God. You know, they, they gave, and, and look, that enables our buses. People who give enable those buses to pick up these young people. People who give enable, enable us to have that junior church over there. And one more time, you ought to go over there and see it. It's, it's the Middle Ages now over in junior church. And, and every 12 weeks, they redecorate and redo something over there. You know, but, but that enables us to do things for those, those young people in the primary church, the junior church, and the nursery, and, and our church services, and the outreach programs, and the things that we do. The finances come in and enable us to do that. It's all part of sowing the seed. You know, when dad, before dad could ever pour that seed in the, the thing, somehow it had to be purchased. 
So what kind of ground am I? What kind of ground are you? It's so important that we've got to see and understand that, that God wants us to be seed sowers. But, but listen, God says that there's a second group, and that's those that harvest. When a field is sown it, and it grows, it, uh, look, every field, uh, you've got to have a sower but, but if you sow it and it grows, but you don't harvest it, it's going to rot. The Lord makes it clear that the harvest is ready. He went to the woman to sow the gospel. He expressed to them, to his disciples, how important sowing the gospel was. It was his, how important it was. It was his life. It was his sustenance. It was his meat. He said, this is what I came for. This is what, this what keeps me going. This is what feeds my soul. Taking the gospel to someone else. John chapter 4 verse 34 says, Jesus said unto him, my meat is to do the will of him that sent me and to finish his work. And then he immediately looks at them and says, you see, he's sowing the seed. And he said, this is so important. He says, but say not ye, there are yet four months and then cometh harvest. Behold, I say unto you, lift up your eyes and look on the fields for they are white already to harvest. Now, the, the truth is, sowing is not better than reaping. Reaping is not better than sowing. The two become one. If there's no sowing, then there is nothing to reap. If there's no reaping, what is sowed dies on the vine. And I, and I worried that I, whether I could even make this understood, but these two are wonderfully, uh, uh, they're wonderful, great uh, divisions of the work of the Christian, uh, sowing and reaping the harvest. There is no harvest if the seed has not been sown. There will be no harvest if none enter the field to labor to harvest. Now, let me just bring it down to, to, to truth. The, those that harvest, it's like this. We go out on, on uh, Saturdays and Wednesdays, and, and I'm trying so hard to, as we as a church, that, I, and I beg you, everybody in here, get a track. Amen. Get one or two. Everybody in here, just give out one during the week. You know what that is? That's just sowing the seed. I was in that rain yesterday and trying to get things done, trying to get ready to go to Africa, trying to do this. And, 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 uh, and, and I spoke to a man, and we were both in the rain, both getting soaking wet. And, and, and then I went to get to, to my vehicle and in that uh, lot that I was in. And, I, you know, we laughed and talked about, you know, uh, the, the rain and the cold. And he walked on and I walked on. And I got in my car. And then, but a guy right beside me, he had almost blocked my door he came in sideways into the lane and and almost blocked so I squeezed in my door but I couldn't turn to come out so I was trying to work my way out of the thing and and I got completely out and then by the time I get I'm holding up about three cars that are finally coming so I'm trying to get so I, I look in my mirror and I got my whole lane here I see it and I start backing up boom I hit somebody I got a backup camera and everything and I thought, how can I hit somebody? I can see I'm three feet from all the cars in the road. Well, one guy had parked half his car out. So I'm backing up, and he's three, four feet further out. So I hit him. Well, it's raining, so I got all these people blocked, so I pulled, and, and I, I looped around, so everybody thinks I'm trying to get away. 
And so I'm just trying to get out of the way so everybody else can go. And I come around and it's drenching rain <coughs> and I walk up there. And, 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 and all these people are already gathering. You know, yeah, he was one. He went this way. He went that way. And I'm like, hey, y'all, it's me. And so everybody calmed down, and I, I walk over there. I said, okay, just tell me what we got to do. And, and the man, very kind man, he walked out there, and he kind of pushed. You know, it was kind of separated two pieces there, and he kind of pushed on it. It popped back together, and he said, oh, don't worry about it. I walked around to the, to the lady, and she said, I was sitting in the car when it happened. I wonder what happened. What happened to it? And look, you know, she said, she, she said something I couldn't understand, her, but I thought she said, I thought you were probably a minister. And I said, because I hit you? <laughs> but it gave me an opportunity, and I handed her a track. Hey, hey, look, look, everything's an opportunity. And she said she'd probably be here today. Now, I, hopefully she's not because she probably want me to pay for it. But <laughs> as I walked away, I thought, man, I shouldn't have handed her that track. <laughs> But, you know, everything's an opportunity just, just to pull one out and hand it to somebody. That's a seed, folks. Now, the bus driver, the bus worker, the bus captain, the Sunday school teacher, the junior church leaders, and the preacher. Now, those are those, I believe, in, in a great way, they are harvesting. They're taking that that's kind of growing and, and it's coming and, and they're watching as it, it's getting ready and they are harvesting those that take someone out to eat or invite them to your home, those that welcome everyone that comes through the door, those that slip a dollar into a teeny person's hand, those that have a listening ear for, for one who is struggling, those that send a note to someone who is missing, those that call or drop by to encourage someone who is lonely. You see, I believe that is we are laborers in the harvest. And I believe without a doubt certainly is to win somebody, maybe in the church service, in the junior church, on the bus, and maybe it's somebody they've been talked to a dozen times before. The seeds have been sown many times before, but you come along and, and you're the one that gets to win them to Christ. Matthew 9.35 says, As Jesus went about all the cities and villages teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. But here's what's so important. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. Then saith he unto his disciples, The harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers or few. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he will send forth laborers into his harvest. This world, this nation, our city is fainting just like Jesus described with the people. They're scattered as a sheep having no shepherd. Jesus was moved with compassion. Are we moved with compassion? God says there are still many where the seed has already been planted just waiting for a laborer to be willing to come to the harvest. I'm going to give you five points, and I'm done. I'm going to just read them. 
But these are thoughts, conclusions from all of this, and whether you can help you put this together or not. But number one, no one is left out. We are to be sowers or reapers or both. Number two, there are still multitudes that want to hear and know the truth. And the truth is there's many who have out there who have heard the truth that just need somebody to harvest them. Number three, and this is so very important, God asks laborers to pray for laborers. When I came here, as soon as I came here, I started asking, you know, please just pray the Lord of the harvest that he sent forth laborers. Can I tell you who God really told to pray? Laborers. You say, well, Brother Hooker, I don't feel like I'm a laborer. Should I not pray? No, what I think what you should realize is that when you pray, you're praying for yourself. Because I believe the greatest place to get laborers is in the church. We think God send us labor, send people from out, and God has sent us a bunch of people that are helping with this ministry and working in this ministry. But the truth is what he really wants when he says, pray ye the Lord of the harvest that he has sent forth labors, what God's saying is pray that the people will get the heart to labor. That's all of us, folks. I said to a fella, he was a police officer, and I said, well, yeah, I was a police officer, but I ended up in the ministry and doing this and that. And he said, well, you went to the ministry because you're so, you know, consumed with, with Christianity. I said, no. I said, um, I was doing what I was doing, and God saw what I was doing. And said I needed to do it full time instead of part time. God needs all of us. God wants us to do something for him. And I'm not saying what you can do. I'm just saying that there's so many options out there. Some way you can help in this you can labor for the field. When I walked across the campus in Memphis State back in 1974-75, a man one day handed me a Gideon's Bible. I have no idea even what he looks like. But he handed me that Bible. I was wearing bib overalls. I was very stylish back then. I was wearing bib overalls, no shirt, flip-flops, and an afro, and a beard. I was one cool-looking dude. And that guy handed me a little green Gideon's Bible, and I took that. reason I know I had my, my overalls on is because I stuck it in my pocket. So one man handed me a Gideon's Bible. He sowed a seed. When I was confronted by John Bramlett 
former Memphis player and all-pro player, about my eternity, and he looked at me and said, do you know what's going to happen to you when you die? He started working the harvest. He watered. When my roommate told me to read the book of Romans, he was working to harvest. Now, none of these guys won me to Christ, but you know, every one of them was doing something in the field. And all that they did, working that field, sowing that seed, working to keep that, make that harvest come to fruition, God gave the increase one night when with that little Bible in the back of it, I knelt down beside my bed and read through the plan of salvation and said to Jesus, I know I, if I died, I'd go to hell, and I don't want to go to hell. And dear Jesus, I don't understand it all, but I know that I need to be saved. I know that, you're my, that I want to ask you to be my Savior, and I trusted Jesus Christ as my Savior that night. I was all alone, but watch this. God giveth the increase. So God is just, look, you say, well, Brother Hooker, tell me what to do. No, ask God what he wants you to do. It might be greeting somebody at the front door. It might be carrying an umbrella to somebody out there. It might be helping to clean a building. It might be work getting on a bus ride. It might be saying, when you need a teacher, I could teach. It might be somehow, I, I went to Brother Felton just a minute ago. He's going to have a procedure uh, uh, tomorrow, and he's gone through a whole lot. But I said to Brother Felton, uh, Joe's going to be out of town next week. And I said, could you kind of assign the young men to the people they need to sit with? Brother Felton said, yeah, you know what that is? is that's helping the field and he'll take care of the now everyone that does anything for the process is vital to the cause but the question is are we doing anything are we doing what we can and remember what he said he that soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly but he that soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully since that is the case it would also be understood that if we do not sow at all then we will not reap at all so, I hardly ever do this, but I'm, this is a challenge to all of us. Is there something more that you could do for the cause of Christ? Can you hand out a track? Can you help somewhere in the ministry? Can you encourage somebody who is working in the ministry? Can you support them through prayer or financially? Can you do something? I've started this uh, one Saturday a month. This coming Saturday will be the third Saturday. Of course, I'll be out of town, but Brother Hopper's going to oversee it, but we call it Saturation Saturday. Let me ask you. You maybe have never done this, scares you to death, to go out and take a track, go door to door and hand out a track. But could you come one time a month for one hour and work the field? I would have loved it if my daddy said to me, son, would you give me one hour a month in the field? Could you give one hour? A month. Could you just call Brother Hopper or call Amy at the office and say, I'm going to be there Saturday. 
And I haven't even talked to anybody. It just came to my mind. But, but uh, I'm going to, Linda, how you feeling? You think we could do some sort of little uh, burrito breakfast? Okay, Linda will have burrito breakfast for you. That's her field. <laughs> After you eat it, you'll think she just picked it out of there. I just want us to be a people that are fulfilling what God created us to do. It's not a hard thing, but he said everybody is supposed to be involved some way. But like I said, I was helping dad, and all I did was walk down the field and let seeds hit me. And every once in a while, he would say, still hitting you, boy? Yes, sir. Well, pay attention and keep walking a straight line. Can we give God and others an hour a month? You may feel incapable or unworthy, but one of the few things that Dad let me do was sow. I never learned to plow or disc. I, I wouldn't know if the corn or cotton or anything else was ready to be harvested. I never learned anything like that. I learned how to throw a ball or shoot a ball or catch a ball. But I could walk and turn the crank on that sower and throw out the seeds as far as it would throw. I didn't understand it. I didn't have to, but I could do it. That's one of the few things that he let me do. God will let us do something. Father, I pray that you bless. Lord, I pray this made some sense to the folks. Spirit of God, I, this is not, I'm not in any way trying to beat anybody up. I'm not in any way trying to say that somebody is, is not doing enough. Lord, that's your business. I'm just trying to provide the truth to our people that God expects all of us to somehow be involved in the sowing somehow be involved in the harvesting and the reaping. And he said, those two are equal.